0: Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 59. This portion of the broadcast is brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me, the NYV, watching me, watching you. This is episode 59. This is Evan Corey, and the episode starts right now. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? Not shaven. <laughs> Guess who's back? Jeff is black. <laughs> this rhymes whack. Um, all right. So episode 59. This is the option podcast along with Evan Corey. I am Jason DeBias, your host with the most. And we're going to shoot. We're going to shoot the nonsense about volleyball tonight, man. It's did you. Um, You just came from practice, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I was just coaching tonight.
0: Cool. Do you have a night lights?
1: Yeah, we. Uh, so everything in New Orleans is just complexes, so everywhere's uh, got lights. It's great.
0: It's got to be the best place in the world to play beach volleyball right now, amidst our. Right. I mean,
1: there's there's no restrictions for us. We don't have any time restrictions. Uh, the The complexes are all open, so I mean, there's definitely no complaints. We got tournaments every weekend if we want, so no complaints on this end over here.
0: Let me tell you something. I am down with freedom and freedom. <laughs> don't don't know who you're voting for in November, but I'm down with freedom. In <laughs> fact, I got an issue, man. I'm, I'm I'm kind of in the middle. I like my guns and my gay people. In fact, yeah,
1: I mean, I think, think that go ahead. there's that's a, a lot of people right now, right? I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel like they're stuck in a, a rock and a hard place because they, they agree with a bunch of uh, a stuff on both ends and they just... They feel like that neither side really is fully representing what what they believe.
0: Let me tell you something, son. This ain't the full solution, but this is a good beginning. I believe in my gays and my guns. In fact, our solution is we're going to arm gay people everywhere. I want you to picture it. Picture Brandon Clemens with no shirt on, on a big billboard, (laughs) six-pack abs, holding an Mm. AR-15, and he tells the world, only you can prevent a hate crime. (laughs) Uh, I know a Ben Vought's thinking get your own damn man (laughs) and this is how we start right this this is like three minutes in Um, (laughs) so you said um, are your facilities um, mixed outdoor and indoor do you are some of them indoor Uh,
1: not really we don't really have any indoor really Uh, just because I mean new orleans we're pretty similar to florida's climate so we're not really cold any part of the year so we don't have any need for an indoor court really there's one mm-hmm. indoor court uh one indoor beach court in louisiana so
0: cool man um do you did you go to myrtle beach
1: i did not i played in uh nashville at the uh Hyden beach one this weekend
0: yeah man um kevin knight actually um conveyed a lot of good coverage, I think their their YouTube site actually presented the semis and finals, and I knew of Kevin vaguely, um mm-hmm. but he can ball, <laughs> yeah, that's <Kevin's laughs> good. I saw him in Manhattan Beach last year, and he got hurt like somewhere in the second round, and then that third round he had eleven prima and and you don't I mean that's not the match you want to come into hobbling right that's not I mean uh, that's especially a match not
1: the way that he plays. he's a super physical guy. <laughs>
0: yeah right he he looks like to me he looks like he has one speed i was there i was there um i was coaching both robs de aurora and um and um rob mclean and i I got dropped by jake and earl um, because they had had arturo but trust me (laughs) i had other things to do and two coaches and you know at the same time that's not you know that's that's awkward that's just like that's weird it it feels creepy you know so Mm -hmm. um you played threes the week before right
1: yeah, I played. So I played the doubles and the triples in grass.
0: Who's, Aver- Who's Avery? Who's lost. Avery? Who is? Who, which Avery are we talking about? It was you, Avery, and someone else, right?
1: Oh, uh, Avery Aylesworth. So he played libero at Loyola. He's from NorCal, and then I played with uh, Gage Worsley as well.
0: Okay, and you made semis.
1: Yeah, we lost to uh, Taylor, Eric, and uh, Andy.
0: That's pretty wow. Taylor's probably finally playing with people his own age. <laughs> yeah. So you, listen, you've done a really diligent job of live streaming um, every weekend that you've played, which pretty much means every weekend. Every weekend. It's yeah, been every weekend
1: since like the first yeah. weekend of May. Well,
0: good for you. Good for you. So um, conditioning wise, have you found a way to condition your body where you're going into these tournaments where you jump and you like your approach and everything you have is like a cruise control in other words are you operating out of like 80 or 90 percent and not taxing yourself or are you going balls out and can't feel your legs the next morning
1: so i mean it kind of depends on the match i guess uh i can kind of you i mean you get the brackets and stuff the night before you can kind of see who you're supposed to match up against who you uh are supposed to play throughout the day obviously it changes you have to make adjustments but um especially in the first couple games of the day i'll try and uh go like 80 to 90 percent and uh really just not not really like cruise control but uh just not not full full speed throughout the entire day because uh if not i mean as a 6'4 blocker my legs are just going to give out <laughs> in a final and right. like uh, I think that's always what my mentality is is always I'm going to make the final I need to win the final so, yeah. so you I have like to a path in you so whenever I do get to the final I, I'm going to have the energy to, to win
0: yeah man and well, that's the more unique thing, right? Okay, you're good. Your live streaming, your matches, a lot of people do that. What the hell, you know, what the hell makes you different from them? Glad you asked for the people listening at home. What makes me what makes him different from them is every time there's a finals. <laughs> it's you <laughs> beating someone or you losing to someone. So you, um, you kind of cracked the code on a formula. To navigating your way through these tournaments, albeit pool play or double elimination, and you mentioned that you get the schedule ahead of time, and you and you and you have a for um, kind of a foreshadowing of who you can play. Does that have a lot to do with you your success?
1: Um, I wouldn't uh necessarily say like the the foreshadowing is all about the success. I think it's a lot of like the preparation I put in the week before and like the months that I have like all throughout the summer is really where like the success has come in. Um, I think it does help though uh in order of like pace and like um cuz you have to think of a tournament a tournament's not a sprint. Uh like I feel like A lot of people do like, especially like younger players really like, like view tournaments as a sprint and they go out all out all the time. Uh, and that's a great way to play. I'm not like, I'm not bashing that. Um, but I do think you have to start looking at, uh, tournaments. I mean, like in Cincinnati, we had to, we didn't lose a single match and we had to play seven matches. That's a marathon that's like 48 teams. That's like knock them out, drag them out fights, uh, that you just have to, uh, you have to crawl through, and uh, at times it's gonna be it's gonna be long, and so you have to be prepared for those long days. We, the tournament started at 8 a.m. and didn't finish till 2 a.m. So I mean that's a 16-hour day of volleyball. Um, yeah, if you're considering true. that a sprint, there's no chance that you're making it to that final. Mm-hmm. You have to consider it a marathon.
0: That'd have to be a hell of a sprint, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I'm doing a share on my page. This is on my sports live right now, but I wanted to do a share on my page and see if it, um, this will kick it to Instagram. I'm just trying to trying something new, and if I fail, that's all I do. Um, yeah, so you're right. It's the same thing as um, like the bigger tournaments, right? If you if you're gonna make the main draw, and if you have aspirations of making the semis or finals or whatever, you have to realize that you right. The qualifiers Thursday.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like even like even the guys that are in the main draw. There's a reason that uh, people say there's a Sunday fill that comes out. Uh, there's a different gear that kicks in later in that tournament that he knows that he has to save for yeah. that that Sunday.
0: Well, I think reason. they're they're also I think also Friday and Saturday Phil on, on knows he only has to play three times too. <laughs> That's <a good> point. <laughs> I mean, how how's that for formula, right? How's that for cracking the code, right? Yeah. You just kind of show up, you chill in your tent, you know, maybe you take some pictures with some 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 tiny little people, um, yeah. which is <laughs> which is where you're kind of headed right now. Mm-hmm. So, who'd you have the most uh, fun playing with? Uh,
1: I mean, it probably would be in that. Um that Cincinnati tournament. I mean, uh, JD is my boy. Uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up with him. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't say anything else good about him. I mean, is he
0: he a Louisiana product?
1: So he's from Mobile, Alabama actually, but we all kind of practice out in Louisiana and stuff like that. Um, he actually moved down to St. Petersburg this year. So he's getting some good ball down in South Florida now. So it's really good for him. Um, but I mean, I, I like grew up with that dude. We, uh, Basically before I even like freaking hit puberty, I was playing with him. I I was short and fat. It's actually really funny. Like you can go back and like some of these pictures and we're like split blocking at that time. And then people are like, There's no way ever that you would think of JD and Evan and think that they were split blocking.
0: Do I do I need to find pictures? (laughs) Are you gonna make me look (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally okay with you not finding me Cool. So also JD is kind of a hybrid, right? He could he could he could um He could play full-time D or split or, or, or... He's definitely
1: a full-time defender, but at that time in our mm-hmm. lives, he yeah, coming up. Yeah. knew that there was no way that I could be a full-time blocker because I was like five seven five eight, and I was not jumping like the way I do now.
0: <laughs> cool, man. So, Evan... Someone as one-dimensional as you. This is why I got you on the podcast. Last time, last time we were in the podcast, we talked a lot about volleyball. We talked about your college career. Um, very emotional moment, you know, get, getting shut down because everything you worked three years led to this moment, and, and that was kind of crushing. But, but we ain't gonna talk about a whole lot of volleyball. It's late, as you can see, my my night lights are up, and um, and I made you sound like this one-dimensional person, and and a lot about. Um, your lifestyle, um, kind of proves me right, you know. Because every time I see you, you you're balling. So, um, something we didn't mention in the last podcast is you're um you're a big a big time sneaker collector. Yeah, to them kicks. Uh, Show let's... me the new kicks, man. I gotta <laughs> see them. Let's show the audience.
1: You got the new Jordan fours, the uh, the PSGs. Just got them in yesterday, actually.
0: Oh, so uh,
1: if anybody is a big Jordan person
0: eat your heart out and tell him that eat your heart out <laughs> cool I brought I bought a pair of LeBron James sneakers um now I have a closet full of sneakers and a lot, a mm. lot of them are new you know you got volleyball shoes I got the Mizuno like the low-cut high tops and they're yes. they I you know I, I always find out for indoor that I like basketball sneakers better than I do volleyball sneakers and Mm -hmm. it's because when volleyball sneakers first came out sneakers just for volleyball they're really good but then they just like a clothing line just like sneakers they when they keep manufacturing they make the material cheaper because they know people Mm -hmm. are going to buy the brand and then you know you you slip you you slip your feet in some sneakers that don't feel the same you you feel like you got you feel like you got betrayed yeah (laughs) you know so but the brand of sneakers that never betrayed me were basketball shoes. So I bought a pair of LeBron James from 2013. Still got them. Beat the hell out of them. I mean, I mean, in my defense, I haven't played indoor that much since I moved yeah. to California, but but um yeah, man, still got those things. And I got brand new Mizuno's volleyball sneakers. Haven't even worn them yet. I got yeah. some some Pumas, some cross trainers, like the bright green, the neon green ones. Yeah, I, actu- I actually got from Bloomingdale's, which is where you you should never shop. But you get a gift card. Yeah, you get a gift card. You buy an expensive sneakers you could get for like, yeah. you know, two thirds the price. So, so just like you, I got a closet full of sneakers. But, dude, living out here, man, I changed, I uh, traded the jeans and boots for. Um, Board shorts and flip flops. So yeah. and, and that's get rid of those Tim's. That's our lives. Yeah, I got Tim's, brand new Tim's, dude. I use them for hiking. I use them for hiking, and now they look like yellow. They're like yeah. you know, how like brown Tim's look. You go on a hike, all that mm-hmm. dirt, and then they look like yellow. It looks like yeah. a it looks like a brand new t- pair of Tim's still, except the diff- it's a different color. <laughs> yeah, man. So, what are you? Are you a jeans and boots guy?
1: No, I'm a. Uh... A uh, sweats and uh and sneakers guy,
0: sweats and sneakers uh, guy.
1: Yeah, and cool, probably most likely um uh, you like you said board shorts and foot foss most of the time now. But I mean, winter comes around not really here, but uh, if winter comes around, it's definitely not. I'm not a big jeans person. I like I like my sweats, I like so comfy.
0: Yeah, um, I talked to Sean yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, that's my dude, man. It's He's awesome. Dude. Dude, you-
1: he does great things, especially for Louisiana, not a uh, super well known area for volleyball. He's such a good spokesman for us. He he does a really good job of promoting everything from juniors to adults so well.
0: Well, me and I talked to Sean because I got this Hush Hush project going out and I can't say a lot about it, but I can say this it does involve us as individuals watching 16 different games from 16 different countries. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, maybe like three in the United States, but let's just say I gotta hook up with Ghana. I gotta hook up with Japan. Um, I gotta hook up, you know, California and I didn't have a hookup in, in, in your region and I was like, wait, I got this cat Evan Corey, man, and it's tournaments every weekend and, and Sean Sean was my connect. So the person that's heading it up, her name is Chi DiMaggio, Patricia DiMaggio. She's um in her sixties, but she played at Tulane. Mm-hmm. She's well traveled, and I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you to her too. It's a meeting of the minds. She's just trying to, um, how should I say, reacquaint people in her era because she was she was this former D one diva, AVP, never really seated high than, higher than fifth, but you know I mean that's a good problem to have, right? I would so say. so <laughs> a lot um, of people love to have that problem. <laughs> yeah, man, right? Good problem, dude. So, LaDig, um. Are you were a Bayou Boys? Did you play yeah, club at Bayou I was, Boys? I was
1: a member of the Bayou Boys.
0: Yeah? How many teams did I have?
1: Uh, now, they've, they've probably got five, four or five teams uh, in, like, different age groups. But whenever I was there, I think we had two or three. And uh, we're freaking mismatching age groups like nobody's business. I mean, we had 16-year-olds playing 18-year-olds. We had to play. Like fifteen-year-olds and have like little ten-year-olds playing on a fifteen-year-old team, so it was definitely a lot of just just trying to find a way to get boys volleyball down here.
0: No, no doubt, yeah, because it's at the time and even now, female-dominated, right? I mean, think about yep. it, and that's now, now it's become an NCAA beat sport. It's it's you know, we're I think we're working diligently to make sure it's not the end of men's volleyball as we know yeah. it, <laughs> right? Ba- I mean, bad enough for indoor, right? For the people listening at home, um, indoor volleyball only offers a maximum of 4.5 scholarships for Division One, You know, D2, they have like kind of like a two-year thing going that a lot of people do like partial for four. You know, my, yeah. my boy Mike Salek out of New York, he went to LIU, uh, South Southampton. I don't even think they have a campus anymore, but that's, that's how he did it, you know. Luis Mendez set for Bameso. I think he did two in Concordia and two at Queens College. So <laughs> I'm not sure the legality of that, but back in the day, yo, Division three sports was the most under the radar, ignored thing ever. You, had guys, like you had guys, guys, playing for seven years, dude.
1: That's that's like NAIA now. Yeah. You got, you got and then that one's crazy because you got like thirty year old dudes coming in, like they got like a family and everything, and they are just freaking. They got a, yep. a whole family out in a different country, and they're here getting a college education, playing volleyball.
0: Yeah, man. My boy, Sadu, um, Ghana, West Africa, played for Cal Baptist, which mm-hmm. at the time was NAIA before the NCAA. And then his first year was at Park, uh, a university you might be aware of. Yeah. Um, he won with Park. And then won the next three with Cal Baptist, so he went in a, all all four years he played um and he's right now he's playing trying to play beach for his country. I think the Africa games are coming up, and mm-hmm. I think whoever wins the Africa games is an automatic bid, I think for the because oh, yeah, that's so, one of the yeah, ways that's, that, that's one of the ways to get into the Olympics. You can win mm-hmm. like your um like continental, yeah like a continental championship, so um on another note, did you watch the n b a finals of course <clears throat> How you how you feel? Uh, Talk to me about it. So, what'd you get out of the finals?
1: Um, I'm I mean I'm gonna go out on a statement here. I know I love LeBron James. Uh, I think he's like one of the best players to uh, ever play. I can't say he is the best. I'm still a Jordan person, especially after watching uh the Last Dance this year. I think Jordan's mentality puts him above LeBron. Uh, just he's he's a little different. He's a different breed there, but uh. I think LeBron's probably still one of the, just like physical, most physical specimens just freaking ever walked the earth. That dude is is something else. Like that, he's changed like the way you probably have to think about an athlete because there's no way you can be what is he? 37 now?
0: Thirty. Yeah, he's thirty. He's gonna
1: 30, be thirty six. thirty six. All right. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, and he's still doing the things that he's doing. Like he's making like dudes that are in their athletic primes in their twenties like making look like they're not athletic. It's crazy. And he
0: plays like he doesn't have a contract he's he plays like he's playing for a contract it's like dude yuri got your money slow down <laughs> you know so um i'm with you co co-sound with you i'm a jordan guy um uh, the documentary notwithstanding i grew up a, a lifelong knicks fan mm-hmm. so the path to the championship when i became a basketball fan was between detroit Celtics time was pretty much gone, um, yeah. you know. Bird when when Bird checked. Well, actually, he played the last two years pretty much hurt, injured, and that was the beginning of the end for them. But you got Detroit, you had the Bad Boys, you had the the Bad Boy Knicks, and you yeah, had Chicago. Was
1: like a, it was they had like a couple years. They went through the the Pistons, and it was like every year after that it was like the freaking Knicks.
0: Yeah, it and it was, I mean anything shy of nailing someone to a cross, <laughs> you know, it's pretty tough to look at. Like yeah, the, the Pistons were so bad, Evan, that the flagrant foul was introduced because of them. The flagrant foul, a lot of people don't yeah. know this, was introduced in 1991. And it was because Chuck Daly. It's because head, of the Jordan rule, basically. Yeah. Chuck Daly, a Brooklyn guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaiah. Bill Lambeer, Mahorn, Rodman, they were like, wait a second. So if I tap file that guy, he gets the same amount of free throws that if I just (laughs) laid his ass out. (laughs) Wow, I I only get a parking ticket for murder? (laughs) Where do I sign up? So, um, yeah, so you had to find a way to... Knock someone yeah. down, but at the same time, pick them up at the same time to make it look like you didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And the, the Knicks actually perfected the, their way. So I think the reason why I'm with you on the Jordan thing, um, and I'm, I'm going to come back full circle with LeBron. Bear with me. Mm-hmm. Jordan's path to the championship was just as difficult and noteworthy as the championship himself. Think yeah. about it. They had to get through Detroit. All right. Isaiah's time is up. Robman. You know, painted his hair and joined the Spurs, whatever. And now it's the Knicks. And now you got Mason. You got Oakley. And you know, the, hey, hey, Oakley, how you doing? Yeah. Don't shake my hand. Get the hell out of here. You, what? We ain't shaking hands. We, what are we, fishing buddies? <laughs> our, our kids ain't going to play together. So um, then you have them, right? Disappears, comes back. You know, I had to, I had to eventually go against Shaq with the Orlando Magic. And then yeah, you got the Pacers with Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, Smith, some bad dudes, anyone whose last name was Davis, too, and forces under the rim. Then you had the Miami Heat, a very well-coached Pat Riley team with Alonzo Mourning, um, Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Sr. And mind you, I didn't even talk about the teams he had to play in the finals. Those are the yep. teams he had to play to get we to the finals. The time Lakers. Yeah. Well, the, the West was more loaded, but the East was top-heavy. Like, when you look to the East, you knew it was going to be one of those three. With the West, you just didn't know. Like, his first championship, he beat Magic's Lakers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how deep the West was, a stack. The second year, Trailblazers had to be Clyde the Glide. Uh, The third year, Charles Barkley, Phoenix Suns. Then he wants to go play baseball. Okay, good for him. I don't know what the hell's wrong with you, Michael. Oh, he got a hit. Oh, my God, he's going to the majors. He got one hit. Um, Comes back in the second half of 95. Throws up 54 points against the Nick in his Garden re-debut. 96 beats the Seattle Sonics, which a lot of people didn't think they were good, but I remind you, they won 62 That's games. And no easy. one know they won 62 games because I think the Bulls won like 72. They won like 10 more or something. Um, and then had to beat the Jazz twice, Stockton in them alone. So now bringing it back to LeBron, LeBron should not apologize for um, beating the people in front of him. Did we want to see the Lakers play the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals? Of course we did. Of course we did, but it's not LeBron's fault that Paul George disappeared and Kawhi was, you know, uh, um, a little MIA.
1: That was the, like, weakest Game 7 I've seen out of two two superstars ever. I was pathetic.
0: And they should have learned their lesson um, from watching the previous round. I mean, the Jazz were up 3-1 on the Nuggets, and the Nuggets came back. If you, if, you, if you don't respect history, it's going to repeat itself, you know? Not to mention, the two previous seasons, they were up 3-1 and lost, which cost Doc Rivers his job, which Doc Rivers I thought was a made man, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but I guess, hmm, you ain't a made man unless you're playing in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, shouldn't apologize for that. Should he apologize that the Bucks didn't make the finals? No, he can, the guy, again, everyone's like, oh, he's the superstar that has the easiest path, but you you got, you still have to. Anybody else took care of business. Yeah. Like, you wow. still have to win those games. And there's a volleyball player. You know that, right? Like, yeah. like, look, first time I met you, first time you were even on my radar, I'm going to talk about it again. Um, AVP, um, AVP finals for the top bracket for, for, for the qualifier.
1: Yeah. Lincoln we, and Kyle French should have won. They didn't. They, they were the shoes. one seat, right?
0: Yeah. And that's and that's the the point I was talking about. Like, I told Jake and I, I'm like, you are not gonna. I'm not saying you are an easy win, but I'm like, you are not gonna find a, a more opportunistic path than you are gonna than right yeah. now. And how, how Huntington Beach, they had to face the Cubans, those two Cuban dudes. That's mm. a tough round 3.
1: Yeah.
0: Um Manhattan, they had to play Baranek and Kulinski and uh who went to this all the way to the fucking semifinals. Yeah. And then Chicago, they had to play Hayden and Brunner. So so I mean, when you think about as far as opportunistic path, I'm like, we got to beat this dude and whoever that pain in the ass lefty is and then yeah. I found out how you were the first three serves and then after that I said I don't want to know this guy. I want to know this guy later. I don't want to know this guy now. We're not serving him. I said we we have to give up a free ball. He's gonna to have to go in front of his guy and and put and, put for, and take it from him. You can <laughs> right. Uh, that was the I did not want you to hit on two. I told them if they are served a space, I want them to go dead smack middle of the court because if you did option, you'd lose some of your court vision. I said do not yeah, no. go short. That dude's gonna hit on too, and if you're gonna go position four, you're gonna go Velela's left shoulder. Make sure you make sure you mean it, make sure mm-hmm. you mean it, because this team—if you serve lollipops—we're gonna get licked, you know. Because even yeah. with staff, that was he, he was that was a dangerous dude. That's a dangerous yeah. player. You and you as a lefty setter, you're gonna give him the ball he wants. He's gonna hold his platform. You're gonna use your hands all the time. So, so wow, went from basketball and over here we all the way back to volleyball. I think the point I was trying to make is. Um, there's something to be said about taking care of the things you can control. Yeah. Right. So, and,
1: I mean, I think I do think that uh, people do have a point whenever they're they're saying that LeBron is the greatest, and I think I think we have to just accept kind of the greatness separately. I, I think it's too hard to compare. If LeBron goes against the the era that Jordan had to go against, I think he struggles a little bit more because he's he's predicated on getting to the foul line, getting those those uh, bump. And ones and stuff like that. Uh and that that wouldn't have flown back then. It just it wouldn't have been a call to foul. Like
0: it's true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he just he just gotten mauled and then like I don't I don't know how he would have handled that beating. But I mean, that's all like hypothetical stuff that we can never know. Yeah. So I think I it's think like we just have to accept the greatness for where it is on both both ends. He's
0: physically prepared. I mean the guy the guy's conditioning, like you said, is off the page and, and you see him get knocked down, but it's it's because the NBA has been the flop league. Yeah. Uh, uh. The last few years, they're no more flagrant, so you got to make it look like one. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? You see LeBron James bounce off of um. I don't know. Give me some real. Someone really short. Probably, <laughs> oh, go probably goes
1: against like Tyler Hero in the finals, and it's like, oh, yeah. I, you're, you just I got yeah. You just got out. run
0: over by Chris Paul. Right? Come on, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know. Or, or Damian Lillard. You know. I mean, come on. You 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 outweigh the guy by fifty pounds. Yeah. Knock it off. So. Um, I I tell you, who I think is the main man. Um, Spolstra, Eric that Spolstra, dude. man, yeah. the chipmunk. That was a uh, my girl calls him the chipmunk. He looks like that Al, was a Al-
1: really really well coached finals by him. Uh, yeah. the way that I mean, I thought the the way that they played that that's the way they needed to play. They needed to have seven guys averaging double figures a night in order to have a chance.
0: Yeah, uh, and-
1: because I mean, look at the Lakers, super top heavy. Uh, you're gonna have two guys every night putting it on you and then maybe two or three guys shooting a couple threes a game and then that's that's all they need. They don't need like tremendous production from anybody outside of A D and, and LeBron. But like Spolstra is like, all right, we gotta play ultimate team basketball, uh, move that ball around and just I mean, Jimmy Butler, yeah, dude had a hell of a series. That was that was impressive in itself. That dude willed his willed his way to two the wins. Jimmy Butler
0: did it, dude. Well, Normally, look, in the NBA, well, any sport, if you win, it's the players, if you lose, it's the coaches. But with that being said, I told Rob, we have another, I have another podcast called Sports Debate Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I told Rob, the winner out of the East is going to have the best coaching. And I said, the winner out of the West is going to have the best talent. Um, I, with that being said, there was one team in the West that had talent and the level of coaching where they made adjustments after halftime in between games, there was one team that had talent and and good coaching that no one was talking about, and that team was the Lakers. So, mm-hmm. um, if you've seen, like they dropped to first set first match to um, Lillard, they made yep. adjustments. You know they dropped the first match to this um, whomever, um, they made adjustments and won the next four and they they used they used the hell out of Anthony Davis in these mismatches against um I can't remember the forward's name uh second round but it was just the guy Davis is just it, shooting they did a over. really
1: good job of, of uh of uh using mm-hmm. like the pick and roll and stuff to, to get him on that mismatch old school old fun.
0: school pick and rolls man yeah old school basketball with a bunch of of I'm not going to call them divas but with a bunch of celebrities that kind of like to do their own thing but yeah. you're going to see a huge separation from people that like to do their own thing when the finals comes yeah. Which is why you look at Harden and you don't see him making a finals. You look at Westbrook, you never see him making a finals again. Oddly enough, the last time the two of them made the finals was together with the, the OKC Thunder losing to LeBron's Miami Heat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when you see these guys that play ISO ball, it's fun. And they 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 will be in the playoffs. But you don't see ISO ball in the finals. You don't. You see. You'll see a player here. Whatever. Like Kawhi Leonard had to do it to beat the Sixers. Do you remember yeah. that shot? That um.
1: That bounce on the rim for like ten seconds and Ken Jesus falls in.
0: Christ! How about I put that one up, dude? I gotta look for that. <laughs> I gotta put up Kawhi's winning shot. And so, um, which team do you like to follow? Lakers. Lakers. Is is, is that your team?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a hometown guy. I'm always a uh, football. I mean, we don't have baseball, but football, basketball. Uh, we got pro sports in New Orleans, uh, so I'm a, a big Saints guy and a big Pelicans guy. Um, I actually go to, my uh, my family goes to church with uh, Drew Holiday, so that's super cool. Um, Zion, uh,
0: Zion's the man?
1: I yeah. think he could be. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Well, uh, my, my girl's I parents think... are Duke, um, they went to Duke Law School and undergrad, um, the mom and the father went to Duke Law School, so that makes, that pretty much makes me a Duke basketball fan, so I got yeah him. Sorry.
1: Uh, I think it I don't know if I think our coaching change will probably help us because I personally thought that um, Gentry was terrible uh, for for uh, managing Zion. Uh, I thought they were being like super cautious, and I mean the dude's like 19 years old. Yeah, he had a knee problem, but like we can't like baby him into the league. Like he's he's a grown man. The way that dude's built, he's a grown man.
0: You like, just have to make a sneaker that he could play basketball in. Did you see the Duke game where he 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 got injured because his cut was so hard? He cut right out of his sneaker. He cut the heel right out of his sneaker from cutting hard with all that weight. Yeah,
1: and uh, I just think they uh, didn't they didn't do a good job of letting him be the man. Like that dude, that dude can be the man. Uh, And I think there's like certain there's certain teams where like yeah you have to play uh, team basketball. Like the Heat, the Heat did a really good job playing really good team basketball. But they also understood Jimmy Butler's the man, and they were like, "Okay, it's uh, it's clutch time. We're giving the man the ball, and we're just gonna let him go to work." Yeah. And uh, I don't think the Pelicans ever really have found that identity with with Zion yet.
0: No, and they might find it with a different coach. Who's the coach now?
1: Uh, they haven't hired anybody yet. They're still. Like,
0: <clears throat> Mark Jackson would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think they're, <clears throat> they're looking at him. Uh, Church going do they- too. I think there was some uh, rumors maybe of uh of taking Jason Kidd uh from the uh the Lakers, Lakers as yeah. an assistant. And then maybe Mike Dantoni as well, I think I heard.
0: Yes! Sorry. Bunch of, Sorry, I'm when trying to see if to I could pull up this Sunday video and they give me these Tuesday ads. Right Giving guy. me these ads, man. I don't want no ads. I just Here's want to see the, the shot. Shout all time. <laughs> It Gotta is. be aware of the inbounder here if you're Philly. I'm probably gonna have to delete this when I put this on air because I don't want anybody to take him out of there is. The Jesus, Freaking oh. Christ, dude! Oh. <laughs>
1: That's
0: how you knew he was gonna win. <laughs> And it was the first time you saw him actually show some kind of emotion. He's kind of a cold dude, you know, and he kind of sat there and he kind of like took took a seat, put his butt on the ground, and yeah, good for him. So so you're New Orleans all the way, huh?
1: Yeah, uh, through and through. I mean, we're going to have our bad years, going to have our good years, but uh, I don't play that bandwagon stuff.
0: I don't either. I'm a lifelong Knicks fan, but I'm not – I mean, and I'm done. I turned in my Knicks card, but – all I, I didn't. All, all, I, all I had to do was look. You understand, right? <laughs> I mean, you're my boy, right? You understand. Um, but What's for that? me to jump like, on another bandwagon, all I had to do was cross the Brook the Manhattan Bridge, or the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. The Nets. I'm a Nets fan. I got a big old Brooklyn hat around here somewhere, and I'll, yeah. I'll show you sometime. But, but um, so I'm down with the Saints. So I really like the Saints. I'm a Buffalo yeah. Bills fan. That's my team because mm-hmm. that's a team that plays in new york instead yeah. of um <laughs> instead of new jersey like the giants and jets do um yeah love me some drew breeze man let me yeah. some drew breeze
1: how old yeah. are you huh how old are you uh 22
0: so how old are you when when katrina hit
1: uh, i was in second grade so i was like, like eight years old
0: eight years old yeah cool i wasn't
1: i didn't fully know the uh the like magnitude of it at the time i just knew that i was like away from home for three months and i was like pretty crazy uh but that the the one of the the real like things with the saints uh and i don't think a lot of people realize it and like how diehard a lot of new orleans people are about like the saints um right after katrina because that's whenever we got breeze in 2006 katrina was 05 and uh we draft Reggie Bush second, and that's when we had our, like, run to the NFC championship, <laughs> loss of the Bears.
0: That was but, a like, good team, dude. It
1: was just – it was like a, a revival for the city, just having, like, something that could – people could take their minds off of, like, the the harsh part of life. I mean, like, it beat us up and like, uh whenever the Saints are just good because, I mean, they sucked for forever. And, like, they were finally good, and it just – out of nowhere. And so it gave people just, like, something to, like – to like grasp onto for like hope and like, and like happiness. And it was just really cool have like the entire city just like rallied around the team. And I don't think a lot of people understand like what that feels like. Uh, I think like, I mean, obviously Yankees fan, but like after the Boston marathon, whenever that they, they felt like hopeless, the, the Red Sox and that, that area, like the, the Red Sox revitalized them after that, like that tragedy, they won the world series and like, it it's crazy what sports can do to a, uh, take your mind off of things and kind of create some hope that uh, isn't there usually.
0: I'll give you another example. Um, While I'm old enough, um, 9-11, when 9-11 hit, um, we had this year where the Yankees, you know, they were in the playoffs every year, but I mean, and they won for the last six World Series, so they even the bad teams were figuring out a way to get on base, and it's like every time the Yankees got on base, like the air left the sails out of the out of the other team. It's like shit, here we go again. But after nine eleven, sports returned, mm-hmm. and it was really really weird. Like the that we were playing, and we knew the 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 players that represented New York, albeit the Giants, Jets, um, Knicks. Yanks, Mets, Islanders, Rangers, they were playing, but it seemed like their, their heart was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, they knew that um, doing their job would actually help people, provide people with a form of escapism. And I think that's what we're talking about here. So, but it changed when we played the Oakland A's and we're down two games to zero, right? And this dude is rounding third. And he's he's about to score. It's the ninth inning. It's the bottom of the ninth in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And Derek Jeter, there, there's some kind of relay throw. And Derek Jeter, who had no business being at the first baseline, just took the ball and did, did like this 180 and just threw it home, tagged the guy out. It's mm-hmm. one of the best plays, defensive plays, you're probably ever going to. I mean, okay, look, I'm biased. I was going to say you're ever going to see in baseball, you know, but I'm a prisoner of the moment. And then something happened. We won. We ended up winning that game. Extra innings, then we ended up beating the, the Oakland A's, and then we ended up beating a Seattle team that won like a hundred games, and then we wound up against the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks eventually won the whole World Series because Kurt Schilling can go can go kick rocks. Um, he he did it to us twice. He did it with the Diamondbacks, and he did it with Boston, the bloody Red Sox. Bloody sock game. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it was bases loaded. They got a base hit on the Sandman, Mariano Rivera. They ended it. They ended up winning, but. It was important. I mean, you go all the way to the World Series. That's a whole nother month that New York has this form of escapism. Mm-hmm. And and escapism is important. Everybody's like, no, no, you have to be here. No, no, you don't always have to be here, dude. You you you're there every day, 24/7. You know, you you have to stay home. No, I've been staying home every day, 24/7. You know, your place is over here. No, my place has been here every day, 24/7. Mm-hmm. Give me something, and this is why I'm glad the NBA created the bubble. Give me something that provides a form of escapism. You know, like yeah. COVID happened, right? Messed up, messed up a lot of sports. Um, social justice happened. The NBA is predominantly black, um, and they they were thinking about not playing, but they were like,
1: "No, we need to do this." Yeah,
0: and for me, who's mixed, my mom's black, my father's white. I never seen any situation where where it stops a black man from going to work. <laughs> no, you know, white people have a career, black men have a responsibility. So, um, but I knew everyone was going to go the direction LeBron went. LeBron was playing, and that's the yeah. test, a testament to his power. All, all the other traffic was steering his way. Um, created a bubble for a price. Zero positive test. Yeah. Yeah. What have you learned as a volleyball player as far as creating um, a bubble where quarantine becomes quarantine? Is there something you learned from the NBA or – just the AVP, what they did in that three week series that just made you more intelligent about how you how you do your business.
1: Um, I mean, I haven't really I've, obviously I've been traveling a ton. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to not really have any run-ins with it. Uh, that's been really <clears throat> awesome. Uh, just been really fortunate on that end,, uh, traveling on planes and stuff. Uh, it, you're you're putting yourself at a pretty big risk. Um, I think the uh, biggest thing uh it's being smart but also like it's not living in fear either like I think uh a lot of those a lot of those guys like I think maybe a lot of people would say they're fearful for like playing in these bubbles but I think it's actually kind of like the opposite like it's like it takes a lot of like courage I think a lot I've seen a lot of people like bashing people like they're like yeah you just like won like the easiest finals ever you didn't and have any crowd, you, did, you just were like living on a resort every day, uh, and that's mm-hmm. all you had to do. Like, do you know and how
0: hard like, that is?
1: <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, you can say that, but they didn't allow their families on like into the bubble until two months in. So, imagine being away from your family for two months, imagine not having anything to do outside of that. You're stuck basically in your hotel room or practicing or lifting weights or whatever. So, like, you're just grinding. And uh, for people who really haven't done that, I don't think they can appreciate it. So like playing in college or something like that or playing professionally, uh, you can kind of understand and like appreciate what they had to do because you uh, you've been through that grind. And it's almost like whenever whenever you're done with your day, it's almost like you need an escape. And like that escape is usually like your family or, or, or your friends or something like that. You, you have some sort of escape that you can go to. Yeah. Uh, Yep. But these dudes for for like, if you were in the finals uh, and Jimmy Butler, like Jimmy Butler didn't bring his family there the entire time. Like that dude was stuck in a bubble for three months with no escape from his job. And uh, I think a lot of people can't really appreciate that until they've like really gone through something like that.
0: Well, a lot of people don't appreciate it, Evan, because very few people are in a position where their escapism becomes their career. Mm-hmm. right like me I, I started playing volleyball because it was away from my you know away from my bullshit world uh, some you know a home away from home where you know if I'm living paycheck to paycheck and you know rent's due and my roommate's not paying his rent and yeah and all this nonsense go to Central Park you know New York go play volleyball and for these guys basketball was their escapism and then it and then it becomes your college career because you you have a full ride, right? Now you 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 got a free yeah. ed, you got a free education that says you could play the sport, yeah, your and then yeah, right you get a free education that says you could play the sport, and then it um and this is the point I was trying to make when your escapism becomes your career, those things you were talking about has to be your escape, the family, mm-hmm. friends, um maybe just Friday night poker game, uh, just you know time with your kid, you know in the park and this and that, so these are things. Uh, that elite athletes can identify with, and that people that maybe play a sport for a hobby or semi-serious ab- for, about a sport um, have a hard time identifying with. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on people saying, "Oh, you don't know," but but I guess I, I gotta just I gotta just say it straight up. You, they don't know. You don't know. You don't. Yeah, you don't know. Don't. You know. So they have. You know. And some I'll go so far as to say, you don't. They don't have a clue. <laughs> so. But I give you another example. The AVP, right? They couldn't afford the same bubble as the NBA, but their yeah. level of responsibility away from the court, who they trained with, were the same mm-hmm. people. Who they the the houses they stayed with, they stayed amongst themselves. You know, I mean, Eric Baranek and Gina, you know, Gina Urango practically roommates yeah. right now. So that's you know, Bill and Kelly, they also play together. Delaney Nutson, Travis Muiriter, you know, they're married right now. Me, I didn't. Me, I I don't know. That was the one I didn't see coming. I'm, I'm gonna sound like I'm dissing people, but. But there's some actually, people I'm yeah. like. Just there's some people the I look people. at them. I'm like, yeah, I see that. And but those two, I was like, so what do y'all, what do you, what do y'all talk about? <laughs> <laughs> He's gotta listen to this. I'm gonna get this from him. But I gotta be. He's
1: I gotta, uh, I, I actually just hung out with them all this past weekend because they were in Nashville with me. Coolest uh, dude in the world, huh? Awesome. Yeah, love, love Travis and Delaney.
0: Great writer. Great writer. Incredible. Yeah, great writer. The only encounter I had with Delaney is I was um, I was at LMU. That's director of operations. She was an assistant coach at um, Pepperdine, and and she was like, you know, you can't coach the players. You you can't coach the players. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know, who are you know who are you? You know, and I mean, to me, I was just gonna say, you know, you got a problem, you go to John. But I just I just, just kind of like squashed it because. I saw her overstepping her boundaries as an assistant coach. Assistant coaches ain't supposed to talk to me either, you know. And maybe, maybe what a director of operations does at LMU is, and what and what one does at Pepperdine are two different things. But, but you know, watch your mouth, young lady. <laughs> you know, but she, but she was right. Like me, I didn't think I crossed any line because we can hint. We can only yeah. we can only coach the coaches. That I mean, we, uh, D, you know, do um do always can't coach the players. So. Yeah. And it's different, right? In the South, a director of operation probably brings the coach's coffee, right? On the East Coast, a director of operation is liaison between the athletic director and the head coach. They take care of all of, you know, the chairborne Rangers. I call them chairborne Rangers instead of airborne Rangers. Um, what John wanted me to do was videotape every practice game and email him four things that I liked and four things that need improvement. Mm-hmm. That's he's, dude. I'm basically my own boss, you know. So, yeah. so no, but I got to. I didn't. I didn't like her at first. I thought she's, you know, a little cocky girl, and I'm like, okay, she's in a draw, and you know, how she different from any other girl with a visor and a visor cap and shades, but clearly. You know, you know, I get to know her a little bit. I, I talk to her periodically. We ain't buddies or nothing, but, but the person I first met and the, and the person I know now are not. They're, they're kind of the same person, so it's more on me than her, right? Is she's still the same person? So that's me self examining. You know what? Yeah. Who, was I a dick? Who who was I at that time? So that's just me just trying to find my, find my way to own up, but and at the same time, uh, keep it real. You know. So, uh, but AVP, bubble, pretty cool. You know, I don't know if you've been watching my pictures on social network. I went to Carmel, California, 30 Mm -hmm. person group. All of us got COVID tested. We stayed at two hotels and we only had dinner with each other. And they played like 13 games a day for like seven, seven to 10 days out. I only stayed five Mm -hmm. and me. I don't know what the hell they made of, dude. I do like six and nothing hurts. It's a good day. I'm out. I'm 50, Mm -hmm. but you got 60 year olds playing 12 games and i'm like i thought of you i said that's how evan evan's body's program he's playing every weekend to play these tournaments and the reason why he ain't dead and he's still alive and walking on two legs uh, and drinking water like a mammal you know and, sh- and shaving occasionally is because you're doing these tournaments every weekend am i right yeah mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> for sure <laughs> i mean uh I don't, and you can't really condition for that, really. I swear. <laughs> it's like no. the, the conditioning for those tournaments is playing tournaments like that. So it's like the more that you play in, the better you get off, like, the better you get at them.
0: Dude, it's definitely an argument that supports game-based drills versus drill-based drills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if someone wanted to win that argument with me and they oh, they're always going to lose that because I don't think one exists on on, an, on, a, on a scale without the other. But if mm-hmm. they use you as an example, I think I'm going to lose that argument. So <laughs> so I talked to Mark Fornicari. hmm Yeah, because I kind of... <laughs> he kind of got upset I put him on blast because he he had a little meltdown with the ref. Yeah. I was like, dude, are you drunk? <laughs> you know, I did it. I said it like a queen, and he's like... he's And you know it's weird? Like, I didn't think I was being disrespectful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, but then... I thought about the way I diss people. When I diss people, if I diss you, um, I attack a volleyball player with volleyball. Yeah. If you played like Kentucky Fried Ass, I'm going to say you play volleyball like Kentucky Fried Ass. Why? Because it's it's, it's, it's extreme, but it's all within the bounds of attacking a volleyball player with a volleyball. Yeah. And when I asked him if he was drunk, that's when I was like, you know what? I think, nah, I think he's right. That's attacking him personally. You know, Uh and when I watched the whole game, you know, and you saw some calls that could have went one way or another. And it was like three or four calls that could have went one way or another. Like all four went against him and he blew up. So I told him, yo, give me a number, man. You know, I want to apologize to you. I want to call you personally and apologize. And and if I see you, you know, if I actually see you face-to-face, I'm going to shake your hand and say, hey, you know, no hard feelings. My bad. You know, I get a little carried away. But we had a really good conversation, and I told him I watched the whole match. And I told him, I gave him a piece of advice that you don't need. If you have a problem with something, head it off at the path. Don't let it go and have it boil over and boil over and boil over to a point when you do explode, your response is dope, so disproportionate. People think you're the one. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> That ever yeah. happened to you? Sometimes, like, you know, someone brings a knife to a gunfight and people get mad at you because you shot them, yeah. metaphorically speaking.
1: Um, I never really had that issue. I actually, it's kind of funny if you watch that game. Uh, I don't know if you can really hear it. Um. But I I like egged him on. him. I, I wanted him to keep going because I knew it was about to happen. Like if he just got so frustrated that to the point that um, he was basically not thinking about the game, and I think it's that's the game yeah, within the like game. Like maybe that's he'll fun.
0: get blocked the next play.
1: Yeah, and and go watch go watch the game. It happened. he, yes. got, he got blocked. He got blocked the next two plays.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, I actually think I I blocked him one, and then he hit one in the net. Uh, but. That's that was like the game within the game for me, and and I love that part of the game. It's like if if we really want to talk about Jordan, that's something he did. That dude would play mind games with you like nobody's business. Um, And uh, I was I wanted to keep him going. I wanted to keep him going, and uh, I started telling him because like it was like two minutes in the argument, and I was like, Mark, you need to get back on the court. We need to just get this game going. I knew if I said that, he was gonna stop, and he was gonna continue to try and stop the game and keep going on and keep going on and keep blowing it out of proportion i was like this is right where i want him and uh, at that time i think the game was 9 to 9 and uh we ended up winning that set 21-11 so it uh it wow, definitely dude. worked in our favor
0: <laughs> wow dude and steven roshitz is a freaking instigator <laughs> he's a terrorist <laughs> Steven Roshit's like, dude, just let him cry. <laughs> he, he loves that
1: part, I feel like. He just loves to, to to let to let people just kind of nitpick, nitpick a little bit. Just throw his comment here and there.
0: <laughs> Do you know uh, Kevin Knight?
1: Yeah. Uh no. so I kinda I met him in Cincinnati uh, for that tournament and then obviously he was on Mark's team uh for that and then uh, I've been talking to Kevin a little bit here and there because he's kind of got his own YouTube page starting to get going. And uh, I saw it. I subscribed. Yeah, and so he's uh, been asking me to start trying to post some stuff, so I'm going to start trying to get some some more game footage out there and help him out there with that.
0: Are you playing this weekend?
1: Yeah, playing at FUDS, and so that will be on Kevin's YouTube page. Uh, okay. Are you live streaming too? Yeah, I'll be live streaming, and then it'll be posted to YouTube as well after.
0: Cool. Hey, um, I probably the reason why I'm asking, I probably might want to um borrow your file, and I could scoreboard it. I could, I yeah. could, I could live stream it on mine, mine with yours, with a scoreboard. That'd be that'd, awesome. That'd, that'd be cool. And no, the only thing you got to do is live stream it. Basically, mm-hmm. this the this Ninja Flame, and this for the people wondering at home how I did the AVP. Cause I got a bunch of emails, and I, I promised them I would tell them, and they're like, "Oh, cool." And then I did, I did the California procrastination shit. I just didn't, didn't do it. Didn't do it. I'm, and I feel like an idiot. Cause I, as a New Yorker, if I say I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. You know. So hold on, this is the camera? This, ladies and gentlemen, is called the Atomos Ninja Flame. So basically, Evan Corey would like live stream on Facebook on this. So I would take my mouse, I would take the file, I would drag it to this screen. And this screen, of course, if you look closer, you can record. We're recording right now. And here is a a four-camera switcher. So I hook my phone up that has a scoreboard, score cam, and I do a wipe up and down instead of a left and right. And on my down wipe or my up wipe, you're going to see something that looks like this. And hold on, bear with me. Stay with me for a second. You're going to see something that looks like, here it is. This. Where is it? Actually, I'm just going to put it on the on the table. So you're going to see something that looks like this. So that's the scoreboard in the bottom. See that on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do a wipe for the top screen, which is your live stream and the bottom is the bar that has the scoreboard and the set and everything. So that's how I did the scoreboard for the AVP. I borrowed um, Renee, Renee Marcellus file. With her permission, of course, you know, because mm-hmm. people, you know, people get a little tight without permission. Even though I'm doing them a favor, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting you more viewers, you dick. Um, and yeah, and I do it that way. So if anyone was asking, and if they don't see this episode, that's not on me. They got, they, they gotta listen to this episode. <laughs> you have quite the following. You, you broken four digits on one of your um, live streams. You, you were like yeah. nine hundred, and I'm like, wait for it. Wait, did he crack it? Did he crack the 900? I don't, uh, I don't know. But you you yeah, you had a um, yeah, no, post-MVP
1: sometimes in the in the in the thousands that's been super awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh just been uh super thankful for uh Louisiana volleyball. They're super supportive. Just I mean, we have I think we have a really big community. I'm not going to say that we have a super high quality community as far as play goes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry uh anybody Louisiana volleyball listening. We are not a bunch of great volleyball players. I think that's, that's a challenge.
0: Great. That's not a diss. <laughs> right? No, that's a challenge. Yeah. Cowboy uh, the fuck up. Yeah. But, uh, sorry. Excuse I me. I mean, I
1: think we have a really good community here as far as uh, all supporting each other. And, um, they, no matter if it's, uh, Metairie, New Orleans area, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, uh, people just want to see people from this area do well. And, uh, so gotta, gotta give the people at home, the uh, shout out for this one for for the views. Uh I mean I'll come back from tournaments and stuff like that and I'll be practicing throughout the week coaching throughout the week and I mean I'll have 20 30 people throughout the week just be like hey, watch the tournament. That was awesome. I love like this part of the stream. I love like this game and it's like it's so cool.
0: does then it like, yeah, mean a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it means a lot to them that uh we they see somebody from this area succeeding. So um it's I, I can't just like express the gratitude enough to those people.
0: When you win your first AVP, you got to give me, you got to give me the um, podcast the next next day. All right. Because right, right. I'm the, right. Don't forget about the little people when you make it. Okay. <laughs> I need you to be my Louisiana and um, Eric Baranek. Because success does change some people and that's just, that's just a reality, but I can keep glass free half full and name the names of people who stayed the same um that came up like eric i met four years ago he was still coming up and then a couple of years ago he made the draw like six times or five different partners and i'm like all right mm-hmm. this dude's a hit man for hire but <laughs> you know Kalinski picked him up boom got his semis and now he's got the rub guess what yeah. same week podcast you know troy field First mm-hmm. came up Troy Field when I was doing NY Varsity Sports just doing video and Troy Field and me were actually working two different cameras. Troy was helping me with that. You know oh. Troy Field came up you know still stood, stood the same dude. Um, mm-hmm. Some people thought thinks the stardom got to his head a little bit but I just think when you get to where you got to go and your phone starts blowing up and everyone's like hi it's me and you're looking at your phone for a name and I'm like I don't know no fucking me. <laughs> I'm just, excuse yeah. my la- part Pardon my language, but I don't know I'm me. So I think he's going through um, an overload of people. And I think he's still the same person. He's just handling it the same way he knows how. You know, so yeah. and good for him. I know no, he's um he's a God fearing church church going fellow too. You know, he's yeah. he's go- He's a little, a little crazy for Jesus, you know, me too. I'm a little gay for Jesus. Same thing. So um i was i was raised in um i was born in the catholic church but i was raised in an assemblies of god church and i'm when i say assemblies of god and you know pentecost that little combination yeah, yeah. of the two of them you know what i'm talking about people dancing up the house you know yeah. hand up doing a dance um basically three hour four hour service only mm-hmm. an hour is a sermon. An hour and a half is just praying and praising, and the other yeah. half is just really good music because I eventually, I, you know, I got musical talent. So, and mm-hmm. I and I sang choir for them for like five years. Um, it was Coney Island Gospel Assembly in Brooklyn. So, but anyone, anyone, you know, who forgot who who um, their God is, whoever you perceive him to be, Allah, um, Yahweh if you're an atheist you know your god is tom cruise (laughs) no 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 No, actually your god is joe rogan um or jesse ventura these are there's there's a virtue in just remembering how you were brought up there's a virtue like i'm not a church guy anymore eventually you know the church treated me like an outsider until i left (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. but but the principles and and how you're raised and what shapes you to be this this human disrespectful this human being which you are that's that's your mm-hmm. reputation. I mean, people look at me. Do they see a respectful human being? Maybe <laughs> sometimes, but um, yeah, did a lot of good things, man. You got uh, I, and I also realized the difference between socialism and activism. So, mm-hmm. you know, people could talk about the unfair prison system, or you can go visit one, go visit yeah. a prison system, go talk to some people. So um good for you go do you go saturday or sunday
1: um i sunday night? don't really get to uh go much with traveling right now um my
0: <laughs> it's act I mean, like your father i'm like look look <laughs> you show respect <laughs>
1: um but my uh my whole family uh goes on sundays usually um <laughs> i still think it's important i don't uh necessarily get to go to church, but I do think it's still important to stay in touch with God. Um, it's just always been a part of my life. Uh, I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school all throughout high school, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's always a big part of my life, um, and it's done a lot of good for me. I think uh, a lot of people can can bash certain areas and extremes of, of religion, but uh, I think as long as you you get the core teaching out of it and, and you don't take things too extreme one way or the other. Cause I think even too much extremism of, a uh, religion can end up being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just end up thinking that everybody's bad.
0: Yeah. You could be about kind of that that I fire and brimstone it. instead of spread the love. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean, as long as you take it, uh, a good way and kind of understand, uh, God puts you on, on this earth and, uh, do your best to uh, not even, I don't even want to say like make him proud because you don't need to make him proud. But uh, I mean, just do your best to, to um, leave a good impression on other people and uh, just kind of uh, do the best that you can with what he, what he gave you.
0: I'm just, well, I'm happy we even brought it up. I mean, it's kind of weird that this came up, you know, in a volleyball podcast, but I got a guy like you, you know, your family goes to church. Me, I'm not a deeply religious person though Mm -hmm. though. I know where I came from. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I, when when we connected on zoom i was playing these Jose ain't loyal (laughs) okay (laughs) so so i mean a lot of it sounds like i'm contradicting myself but that's what a podcast is a podcast is about sometimes about stating facts and sometimes it is about contradicting yourself and self-examining and that's the purpose of this podcast to provoke thought you know um last time around i didn't get i didn't really get a chance to talk about that we talked about volleyball but that's okay because that's why that's why we get all dressed up right we get all yeah. dressed up and somewhere to go. So, who are you playing with this weekend again?
1: Uh, it's so uh, my coach. Oh, it's FUDs.
0: It's Fours, yeah, right?
1: Fudge. Yeah, Fours. All right. So, my coach from home is our setter. Uh, his name is Joey Keener. He's in his 40s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, dude's still got hands of gold and uh, probably one of the uh, best in game managers I've ever played with. If you want to talk about working referees, Uh, especially quads, knowing how to to run a team, uh, get the best out of everybody on the team and and really uh, make sure they're doing their jobs correctly and above expectation. And then uh, it's probably one of the people I'm close with right now, Uh, constantly working with him uh, right now, just uh, practicing every week and stuff like that. And then uh, we got JD uh, playing back row for us, basically. Cool, uh, yeah dishing out the dimes split hits. uh, Yeah. Is it men's men's force? Yeah. All right. And then, uh, Ian Bitco, who probably isn't like super highly well-known name, uh, definitely has, uh, increased his stock. I think a lot this year, he's a six, eight blocker. Um, he probably has some of the best hands for a big man. I've seen at that height that he can, uh, he can hand set just about anything. And then, uh, i just think together as a uh, force team we're going to we play really well together cuz we're all super close uh that's like the uh four f- closest people probably that we all have in the uh, volleyball community so it'll just be a good time go out there and uh and you heard it here first beat the crabs it's going to happen
0: no doubt when you get a chance say what's up to jeff i talked i talked to i called jeff on the phone uh, a week ago and i told him um you ever get a chance to train with him he's he's very very good he is he's people think he's like um a little bit too eccentric for them but he has a mm-hmm. very i think him coaching himself just coaching juniors and then um just doing these co-op these co-op training sessions has mm-hmm. given him a calming effect where as far as sharing the knowledge you, I think you can learn a lot from him if you if, if you just uh, train him a couple of times but definitely say what's up all right yep. you what what's your club your your um your your, your is it a beach club yeah you're, it's a beach club what's the name uh, what's the name of the club
1: uh, the name is premier beach volleyball uh, oh, premiere. okay. yeah, pretty, uh, simple, pretty vague, but I mean, uh, that's kind of, it's just like what we strive for. I mean, uh, me and Joey, Joey, mostly, uh, he's like the brains behind the operation. He's just, I'm just the, uh, the puppet that he gets to, uh, to toy around with and, uh, and get to uh, try different things. Um, <laughs> basically, but, uh, he's, uh, he, he really is focused on, on excellence. And, uh, we, We've got had dark, the past two years. We've had twenty kids go play Division One volleyball or uh, twenty Good stuff. Uh, beach volleyball. Twenty kids out of Louisiana. Not bad. Not bad. That's that's really incredible. Oh, well, that's and, astronomical
0: uh, for Louisiana. So
1: yeah. So um, I mean, that's just really what we strive for, and we our our goal is to uh, make sure that every kid that comes to our club can uh, play at the college level if they want to.
0: I had um, recently had Oz Oz Borges on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning, in fact, and we' we he's younger than me, but we come from a very old school set where we had this conversation about the wall, that freaking wall. Basically, he's from Cuba and mm-hmm. me, the way I was taught volleyball, I had a bunch of Dominicans and, and, and some Russians here and there, you know, different population in New York, different immigration. And you weren't we had a general you weren't allowed to take the court unless you could take care of first hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning first hit, meaning serve, receive, that is, and free uh, ball, down ball. You so you could be tall because a lot of people. Are, oh my God, you could tall. You know I'm gonna teach you how to hit. Middle and We'll work out the other stuff later. No, 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 no. This man, if you've ever seen um, Oz play, and I don't know if you were at yeah. the Hermosa Beach, I against him um, once. Uh, year the year before he played with um Bruno. They made he made the draw of Bruno, and both mm-hmm. of them had like blisters. Like, dude, they played Rafu and um Peter Marciniak. It was like twenty one eighteen, twenty one eighteen. Lost, but then the sun from the, the qualifier the day before. You looked at the feet, man. It looked like roast beef, man. You look like you put it between two pieces of bread and serve it for lunch, for Christ's sakes. But um, how much does first hit and an emphasis on coaching first hit for you as a player coach mean to mean to you and these kids?
1: That's uh, that's like the main things we work on is our first two contacts. We we really think the first two are uh, super important. Uh, Obviously, passing, uh, we kind of even started talking about it now as like a player, as like setting up your offense off of your pass. Yep. Um, So it's not even just, okay, we're going to pass this ball into the same spot every time. It's, okay, um, I'm seeing this. I want to give a different look. So I'm going to change where my pass is at in order to give that different look. And it's still controlled. It's still a good pass. But uh, we're basically controlling – where we want to set our offense up from based off of our pass, And that's how specific we want to be, uh, when we're passing, we, we basically, so we'll take a cart, uh, like just like a small ball cart. And if, if we're not passing like 50% into the ball cart, then it's not good enough. And, um, we just, and we've even, um, I can't, I can't fully give out our secrets. Uh, but, um, but we're, we're working on a system right now uh, for next year that we want to um, start playing with a little bit so we can uh, really hone that pass in and whoever my partner will be uh, will run that system and, and it's going to be really fun. Because I don't know if you've seen, uh, and it's not even a secret anymore, but I do jump set a lot. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, that's, uh,
0: that's a European thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so... Uh, we really are focusing on really using that first contact as a set. And if we can use the first contact as a set, then uh, we're kind of, we're almost starting to, to create an indoor offense where there's multiple options on every play. Uh, there's different things that can happen. And I think that's kind of where the game is going. And uh, we just want to be ahead of the curve.
0: I'm again. already ahead of the curve. This podcast is called the option, my man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Um, As you know, I'm a club coach with Endless Summer. So, and there's nothing more gratifying in the world than knowing, you know, you find your ways, you find your way, to for girls to to get commitments. You know, Mm because we have a small group, 22 girls, but we lead the nation in commitments per capita. We had eight Mm -hmm. girls, four three going to USC, one UCLA, two Long Beach State, one Grand Canyon, and one um, um Arizona. So when you tell me stories like that, I'm like, oh yes, you know, just something where. Someone's love for the sport allows that to be the 12 month experience in college because mm-hmm. some that's not for everybody. Look, my girl that she went to Harvard, she didn't play. That's not, she doesn't want that to be a 12 month experience. Yeah. You, hell yeah, hell to the year. Where do I sign up? My, I get to do this 11 to 12 months out of the year. Me, yeah, at, the, at that time, I sure. I don't want to do it
1: 13 months, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all we're saying. I
0: want to do it 13 months out of a possible 12. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm not interested. (laughs) What else you got? So, well, the reason why I'm asking that is because we have seen, and I'm only going to use. I don't want to be too all over the place, so I'm just going to consolidate this discussion to women's and girls' volleyball. 2019 alone, consolidating it even tighter. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll I'll go even tighter than that. Hermosa Beach, 2019. You had Maple and Craft. Finishing fifth, fifteen and seventeen years old, you had the Norris twins qualifying, finishing within the top ten. I think for ninth, either ninth or whatever. You had Chrissy Jones, who just you know just graduated the Todd Rogers, um, <laughs> school of, of 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 intellect and physicality. That's uh, Cali Prep, uh, Cal Poly. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the most talk, the least talked about high level player, in the AVP. I, I bang my fist. Why why are we talking about this girl? You know, mm-hmm. and then this social justice thing too, an African-American girl who's doing her thing. She made the semifinals.
1: Yeah, it was on, in Hermosa yeah, yeah. Beach. Her and Muno
0: Muno and Jones made the semifinals. You know? Uh, my boy Rob, <laughs> his girlfriend, played her in the qualifier in the first round. And mm-hmm. Chrissy and Muno won 21-9-21-5. And I was like. I was like, damn, Miranda, I thought, you know, she told me she felt good about going into this tournament. What the yeah. hell happened? But then you saw what happened. The girls that played them made it all the way to the semis. So, you know, both both things turned out to be true. Now, here's my thing. Here's my question to you. What's changed from girls ages 22 right now, let's just say 15, 16 to 22, and the girls right now who are 22 to 30? Mm-hmm. That's made this group of girls just just say just take over
1: I mean, I think it's the uh the dedication at a young age basically um they they basically are changing their their interests from indoor to beach at a younger age and they're they're right. getting those reps at a younger age so they're, they're not splitting poly- time anymore right no they're, they're more polished as a product going into college, so like probably like you have some of these kids like. 18 years old that if they were they they trained all that time and that's why there's 18 year olds that are beating up grown women because they've already dedicated probably more time at that age than the older women have to beach in their entire lives
0: yeah you got 16s getting their triple (laughs) i see some adults in like these local cbva tournaments oh how you doing oh i'm doing good just got the shit kicked out of me by by a 15 year old how about you (laughs) you know um i agree with you i co-sign it, it is a result of girls uh, making lead decision to take their talents to the beach mm-hmm. and not split the time from enduring the beach. Almost some, some, like you said, exclusive hot turkey, not cold turkey. What yeah. then also the common denominator is beach volleyball became an NCAA sport. Becomes an NCAA sport. Now all of a I think sudden. That's all,
1: also why I think that they changed the split time to the full time. It's because yeah. they recognized that there was an area where they could go and take an opportunity and use it. So that's why they started Yeah, doing
0: it. get another scholarship opportunity, yeah. My boss, my program director, her daughter, was the shortest player to get a, volleyball, a beach volleyball scholarship at 5'3". She went to U of H. And mm-hmm. then um, she, she just transferred to FIU, I guess. I don't know, it was playing time. And and I like the head coach, but um, my boy Evan Silber, Silberstrom is not exactly the easiest guy to play for. Um, mm-hmm. But I like him a lot. I like his style. He's old school. But that's why I think you're right. And this is why. And I love it. You know why? Because all of these girls that are walking around, you know, ages 22 to 30, acting like they're the best thing that happened since fucking Coca-Cola, have to re-examine their game. Mm -hmm. You have people that are going to these these qualifiers year after year after year after year. And maybe they make the draw here. Some of them never make the draw. And then you got these girls, the Norris twins, made the draw. Boom, did it again, made the draw. Oh, Hermosa Beach comes around, made the draw. Oh, wow, they got draw points. How did that happen? So I think I'm very, very glad, just from the women's perspective, because we can talk about men's in a minute. Um, I'm just very glad from the women's perspective that there's a, this generation of girls bringing up the rear that is telling, telling them, shape up a ship out. Yeah. Damn, I'm cold tonight. I was, I, when are we just talking about Jesus 20 minutes ago? <laughs> and an hour before that these hoes ain't loyal so um um let's move on to the men right you got guys and we know who they are and i hate to be like i ain't gonna need these um but i'm not because they know who they are you're in a qualifier you're getting closer you're in a qualifier you're getting closer you're getting you're in a qualifier and now some people are stuck in that second in that last round or that third and that last round doing a running man, running in place, and then along comes this kid Miles Partain. Makes the main draw 2017 at 15 years old. His yeah. brother is 17, so that's that's not just one kid being carried by an no. adult. That's that's two kids, not even in college yet. Um, I think Marcus is at UCLA now, and I guess his uh, Miles, Miles is going to be there just too. Started there as well. Yeah, I know Marcus has got good hands. I don't know if he's going to set a play outside, but his brother's got pretty good hands. Um, and I like that the that's a very small example of some of these 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 teams that know that they have to do something different. Mm-hmm. Think about it. all um the first time they made the draw, they they beat Matt Mater, uh Matt and Matt. Does Matt Martyr jump higher than both part chains? Yes. Has he been playing beach longer than him? Yes. is his hands nicer? Yes, does he block does he does he pen, better tra- better penetration? Yes. Does he hit better than both of them? a shit ton better. (laughs) Why am I losing two zero? Why am I losing two zero? It's I'm asking, I might be asking you, but I'm asking myself as a rhetorical question, Um, but I want you to take, I mean, I can't do all the talking here, man. I got to give you something. It's because of their
1: first contact. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they perfected that, that option system that we were talking about. Um, And kind of what I'm working towards as well. Big Uh, up to Jeff Alzino, man. Yeah. And, uh, I I really feel bad because Marcus is obviously he's just dealt with a ton of injury issues, um, so he's not really getting the uh, credit that that Miles is, and Miles obviously deserves all the credit because dude's legit played him this weekend um, in Nashville. He actually. played with Avery
0: Dross? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, was that se- was-
0: let me interrupt you? Was that semis finals?
1: Semis. Okay. Yeah. So we lost. Uh, 21-17, we won second set 23-21, then lost 15-12. Um, but I mean, uh, the way he takes care of his first contact just allows him to do so much. And it's, uh, I think, I think whenever you set that first contact up that way, um, that's when you start playing chess uh, compared to checkers offensively. Uh, I think a lot of defenders are able to play chess just because you know they're sitting back there; they don't have to set anything up. They can. They start back there. They're already. They're already set. They're ready. So they can start playing chess. Start doing different little moves, uh, running different plays, stuff like that. To uh, really just um, kind of get into the the offensive player's head. And I don't think a lot of players get to that level to where offensively they can go and do the same thing. Um, offensively they do the same thing every time. And we're getting to the point where that's not going to work. Uh, offensively you're gonna have to start changing looks up and you're gonna have to start giving the other team different looks. Um, whether it be a different set, different uh, approach angle, something you gotta get some something else. Uh, give the defense different looks because if not, you're gonna they're gonna catch on. They're gonna start doing something that they're like, okay, we know you're about to do this. They're gonna crack the code. Uh, we we're, we're gonna pick up a crucial point because we know this is your tendency at this point in the game. And uh, you've been doing the exact same thing the entire game. We're gonna we're gonna get a read on you at some point. But when you can constantly change looks up, you're constantly changing the way that the uh, the offense is being portrayed to the defense. You can't really catch a read. Uh, it's kind of like the uh, the air raid offense in in college football. Uh, it, you're constantly changing the looks of, of uh, your offense. You're constantly changing your sets. You're constantly changing the depths of routes that people are running, the way that people are running. And uh, it just it, the defense is always on their heels rather than the defense just, like, waiting for you. Uh, I think the best way to, like, describe that would be uh, LSU, um, whenever they had Leonard Fournette, do uh, was a freaking beast. But uh, everybody knew he was getting the ball. And uh, up until the Alabama game, nobody could stop him. But at some point, they stacked nine in the box. They said, throw on us. Uh, we we know what you're going to do. We know what your game is. And uh, we're just going to wait for you to uh, to give your game to us because we're, we're waiting for it. And um, that's kind of where my head is, at least with all of the, the way that they set their game up. The That's why it was so successful is because uh, – they were just constantly changing looks. The other team was just never prepared for what they were about to do.
0: Yeah. They they also changed up their blocking scheme a lot. Like I was coaching Jeff um in New York. Mm-hmm. And their their four block switch, sometimes it'd just be a five and stay and this and that. And sometimes you get into the the, the teams that had the best success against the Partains were the ones that used their power to set up their shot. It's Cause sometimes yeah. you get head faked and this and that and your shots they just get run down. The the teams that beat the par chains are the ones that hit that that went hard driven every single time. Because mm-hmm. this guy's giving up line, and you think you're gonna beat the four block switch, or you think you're gonna reverse field. Instead, he fakes you out. When all you got to do is just hit what he gave you. Drill, yeah. drill that mother, drill that motherfucker straight down. You know, yeah. um, and. I thought that's what Jeff and Michael Brunstein did better the first time they played, and didn't didn't, and hit what he and Doc Vandermeer didn't do that well the second time around in New York. You know, that's where I found success,
1: like practicing stuff against them last year. Is just uh, they're together. Yeah, like they they don't have like the height and the physicality to compete. And you got to go power.
0: Yeah, you can't be. You can't you can't fall into these defensive schemes and adjustments they fall into that they that they make these adjustments they make at the technical timeout they' never mind between set one and set two or never mind you know uh, um, between matches the big secret is and everyone's got their secret in their practice and everyone's got secret drills in this practice or whatever um, I had a bunch But if you listen to my podcast, all of my secrets are out because I think in order for the sport to be good, I think everybody should have video and everyone should know everybody's secret because this way your style and your game is ever-changing. How many times have we seen a a beach volleyball game where they spend the entire first set feeling each other out? And I'm like, someone that's never watched the sport is going to walk the fuck away from this before the first team even hits 12 points, before the first technical timeout. Football, you just said. Football. LSU and Alabama exchange game tape. <laughs> yeah. they th- 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 that's di- This is how Division I sports is supposed to work, all the way up to the pros. Um, and that's that's going to happen. Never mind that. That's going to happen. It's
1: been a big thing for me. Uh, I never have a problem. Like, you can go out now. I've been really big on trying to go and post my, my stuff on YouTube yep. recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I have like four or five matches up finally. Cool. And uh, I just finished it, Finished editing another one. So another one should be up here pretty soon. I'm definitely going to
0: do one of yours. I mean, and you're definitely going to be around at the end. so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think it's huge. I mean, I don't really care that anybody knows the way I play. Uh, and I think that kind of goes along with what you, you were just saying and the fact that your game's ever-changing. Like, the, the film you just saw from two months ago isn't going to be me going to be a little bit different version of me i'm gonna have some kind of different look uh you're never stagnant like do you really like okay this is what we did so now we're comfortable with that i don't think if you really really want to be a great player you can never be comfortable with what you're doing there's always some kind of tweak you can make uh i mean you can even look i mean norway is like the most unstoppable team on like the earth right now
0: and And, mall's got a kid brother boy yeah Mall's got a kid. Andrew's Mall's got a kid brother coming up. Sorry, go ahead.
1: And uh, go look what they were doing um, in the king of the court. And they played that exhibition against uh, some and uh, Pavens, And they, they were still changing things or like they're, they're not, they're not comfortable, even though they're the number one team in the world, they're still not comfortable with like the way that they're playing. They always think that there's something better. There's something else that they could add to their game. And I think that's how everybody needs to think about it. Like, and you never see
0: that team option unless they absolutely have to. They yeah. always use three hits, um, which is very, very unique. Um, something they they told Casey and Kerry um, later on when they met him, because Kerry peppered with them when they were little kids, and and mm-hmm. look how look, and, and look how far they've come. And we were talking about younger guys, younger generations bringing up the rear. That's another example of two two players that that are taking people older than and, and then doesn't but doesn't it make some of these older players who've been in the game for longer just self examine like, dude, this kid, you know, I'm gonna I don't know what to do. So but yeah. to me, it's all coaching. It's all coaching. Um, you said something about first hit. I translate that to the serve. Um, for the people listening at home, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that, that my, my partner in crime here, my co-sign or not. Indoor. The thing that divides AA from open are the medals. Outdoor. The thing that divides people worried about their rating and then, Oh, this is a B guy. That's a double A. The thing that divides those guys and the guys that don't even know what the hell a rating is. Cause they only play open. The thing that divides those two is the surf. At, A certain level in these tournaments, in your pool plan, in the earlier rounds, you're gonna, everyone's gonna have hands, guys Mm -hmm. at a double A. Um, They're gonna have rock star outside hitters that can hit on the beach. Um, You're gonna uh, uh, eventually enlist a cave troll to to put it in the net to block. (laughs) You know, pay me some money to cross my bridge. Um, But the hugest separation is going to be served to space. John Mayer calls it surf to space, and I never used it before I met him, and now no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. So thanks, John. I got that from you. Um, It's the surf. It's the surf. And we had a conversation about controllables. At a junior's level, my three controllables, you can come up with six, but since I'm lazy and I do everything in things at three, one is the serve. That's 100% control, right? No no one can knock it out of your hand. Two, in-system setting which is consistent with what you're talking about. Because you always, it's not the physical thing. It's about the, the, the neck up, um, Corey. Mm-hmm. You ask your player, if your partner gives you a perfect pass, can the other team make you set poorly? No. Nope. No. That's a controllable. So I'm basically saying the same thing you are, but, but to, to, to pierce into these younger minds where they're just like, boom, got it. Life moves on. The third thing, in college they call it playable shots. And um, juniors, they call it down ball, free ball. So you're always going to have more control than the other team. 80-20, 70-30, there's levels to that, right? I get that. So those are my three major con- controllables for juniors. That actually transcends into a lot of college programs too. So um, I think it's really cool we said the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. So, man, who are your Saints playing this weekend?
1: do Oh, we're on a bye week this week, actually.
0: Yeah, Buffalo plays Monday night. We got house, dude. We got punked yeah. by Tennessee, man. I didn't wear the hat.
1: It's uh, <laughs> it sucks because. Well, actually, no, I don't even know. what I'm saying, well, Devin Singletary had a t- terrible game, but uh, Stefan Diggs still had a good game. That's all I care about. Because I got, I got them in my fantasy. Um, fantasy.
0: Team. Where did Singletary go to the college? I don't, I'm trying to remember. You might be young enough to remember. He's he's second year right now. He's a rookie last year. I'm really good with this stuff usually
1: too. Yeah. Sure. I can't think of where Singletary went. I think it was a smaller school, probably. It had to be.
0: Cool. So before I go, I wanted to have a little fun. What's. You probably get into a routine on certain foods you eat the night before a tournament. What do you eat the night before a tournament? What, what feels like a normal night when you have this?
1: So, uh,. It's gonna be a little interesting, probably to most people. But if it's possible, uh, it's usually for lunch. I'll have it. Uh, I try to have me some Popeyes fried chicken uh, before before a tournament if I can, because I mean, you can't you can't take the southern person out of, <laughs> you can't take the southerner out of the southern guy. Um, but I love me some Popeyes fried chicken. Uh, I usually <laughs> have that like for lunch, um, and then. I'll probably usually eat like some pasta or rice and like some grilled chicken and stuff for dinner, um, and then I'll usually get some body armor uh, into my system. That's kind of usually what I use to hydrate uh, the body armor lights. Um, and then you do that the day, night before. I'm, yeah, all all okay. hydration night before.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I'll drink a ton of water during the day. A little bit of uh, electrolytes um, on tournament days, and then. I think one of the things that's been the key to my success, actually, and we talk about these pacing out in tournaments and uh, goes really unrecognized, um, gummy bears before every single game. So if you're listening at home and you're worried about uh, tiring out in tournaments.
0: Got to get your handful. vitamin K on with the gummy bears.
1: Eat a uh, handful of gummy bears before each match. And that's been the key to my success.
0: <laughs> Dude, everybody, I hope you're listening. This man is spilling all of his secrets, okay? We're not trying to abuse this, all right? Popeyes (laughs) is a real thing, dude. (laughs) Mixed martial artist Derek Lewis now has Popeyes for life. He went on a post-match interview and and said, I want to fight Daniel Cormier because he disrespected Popeyes. Which is crazy. So a day later, Popeyes gives him Popeyes for life. What's that?
1: I said, Daniel Cormier is a Louisiana boy. How's he disrespecting
0: Popeye? No, it's like a that? joke. It was a joke. He, they know damn well Daniel Cormier, you know, only ate a salad. Love- only love- ate a salad to make a light heavyweight. <laughs> He's like, dude, I ate a salad. <laughs> I never had a salad before. <laughs> when he decided to go from heavyweight, you know, because um, he was part of Strike Force, heavyweight division. And then UFC, mm-hmm. he wanted to pursue the light heavyweight title. Plus... Uh Kane velasquez is in his camp, was the champ. So he wasn't he wanted to be the champ. He's not gonna fight someone from his own from his own gym. So yeah um that's that's a code for them, that's a bro code for them. So but he's like, dude, I had a salad. <laughs> but Derek Lewis for saying that got free Popeyes for life.
1: Dang, I need to do that. I didn't know you I, watch I, MMA. I, you watch fine, MMA? I need to, I, I to shout out Popeyes on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so, you watch MMA? Yeah, I uh actually the the so was it uh probably like a month ago now. Dang, already. Yep. Uh it was that fight with Izzy and uh
0: ooh, yeah, and Costa. Man, he, he got schooled.
1: Took him to town. That was I love watching that match. Ooh.
0: You know what the cool thing is at some point we got to start listening to Israel Adesanya. He's the black mm-hmm. he's the black mystic mac. He says he's going to do something and there's a way he wants to do it and and how he's going to finish the guy and everything he said that he was going to do, which I thought he's gonna win, but I laughed at the way he, at how he's gonna. I'm like, all right, come on, let's be real. You're just trying to get in his head, you know. Yeah. I I thought he's gonna he's gonna win a five round decision because Costa carries so much muscle. Like muscles need oxygen, and and when Costa comes after someone and he and he, he loads up all the time. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really pick his shots. Eventually, right? The the blood, you know. Eventually, you're gonna tire yourself out, and then when you got no hands up, Adesanya's gonna kind of do this and. You know, bam, just, you know, knock mm-hmm. you out. So, yeah, good match, man. We got one coming up this weekend, Korean Zombie against um, it, Ortega. Actually, Brian Ortega, yeah. Ortega lives here. Oh,
1: see.
0: Yeah, when I sing karaoke, I see him all the time. I go to Hennessy's um, on the pier mm-hmm. s- to sing karaoke on Monday. He rolls up in his skateboard. You know, I bought him a drink one week. One week, he, he, he remembered me, bought me a drink. Um, he is as tiny as you think he is. But like, if you look at his face, like someone you see on TV and some you see in real life, he Mm -hmm. is that larger than life presence, like the face, and yeah, man, good human being. He's very much like you, like in a sense that, like you don't care, like if someone's the number one player in the world, you don't care how much money they make, you don't care um, how many likes someone has on a social media account. You care how someone treats people and someone how someone treats you right then and there um so take i'm taking you and i'm shrinking you about 10 inches shorter put you on a diet grow your hair into a ponytail and you um he's the he's the evan Corey of the west coast he's a cool dude man he's uh man i mad respect for that guy and i like you listen nobody's gonna cheer against zombie either right the real winners are the fans because you know they're gonna come bring it so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and um i think next week we got um a big one we got khabib and um Ooh, that'd be good. And Justin really yeah, I'm here to smash you. <laughs> I, I'm right. Why you break bus? I'm here. <laughs> just send me text. Send me location. <laughs> Why break bus? <laughs> You could actually pass for Russian if you were in Brighton Beach. All you got to do is come and say absolutely nothing. They'll think you're Russian. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Brighton Beach is predominantly Russian. And um, mm. the most talented beach volleyball players, um, the Russian ones, live there. Um, indoor is just ridiculous. I'm sure. Ridiculous. Everyone everyone that I, uh, that I set for played for a club that's won nationals, like, five of the last seven years. You know, you, like, you see a team that's stationed out of North Carolina – And it's a bunch of Dominicans. They're not from, dude, they're not from North Carolina. They're from fucking Washington Heights, man. They're from New York. Okay. The program director, Ulysses, he lives in North Carolina and his Mm. wife plays for the Dominican national team. But all of those dudes share their time. Mocha, Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo and Uptown New York. Uptown New York, North Carolina. Stop. At least least when you say you're from Louisiana, people believe you. Yeah. So, who wins between Khabib and um, Justin Gaethje?
1: Probably Khabib. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would say anything else. Like, dude speaks for himself.
0: Yeah, he's just oh, the professional murker. <laughs> Do you like a swimming pool or ocean?
1: Uh, I mean, I have a pool at my house, or at my grandma's house, so probably that, and we don't have a ton of ocean around here. Um, So definitely been pooled most of my life. But I loved whenever I was out in California after uh, just like a day. it feels like baptism. Yeah, like you let go, like no matter what. So, like, even after that loss uh, in the qualifier, like I had been out there for a month uh, at that point. I was out in Cali for a month just, like, grinding, uh, grinding, practicing. I was coaching at, uh, like, the junior nationals and stuff like that. And so I mean, I was like pushing like 15, 16 hour days of being out in the sun, practicing all kinds of stuff, just, just no break. And uh, that was like my last like day there. And it's like, man, like I was so drained. And then I just went into the ocean and it didn't matter. It's like everything just like revitalized.
0: Yeah. I love nationals in the summer in Hermosa Beach. I love those cats from 692, man. All, all of those guys, you know, they're mm-hmm. a little rowdy, but at the end of the day, we all got we all got drinking together um mm-hmm. i forgot that guy the beard he has like a beard and white hair oh um, yeah the dude's I, I have no straight up hobo his, but man. i
1: know for sure who he is.
0: so I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story before we go first time i met that guy right um some of my girls from endless summers like coach then that's the that's high so i'm like all right let me check it and me as a coach i have a chain in my bag so so mm-hmm. i'm checking the net. i notice it's high and, I, and you know I, and i bring it down to the chain and this dude comes up to me white beard looking you know looking like he i don't know where the fuck he came from he's like why don't you mind your business okay it's not your place to do something like that and i just went and i said dude i said i'm doing my thing do i mess with you when you're picking in them trash cans no (laughs) i do my thing you do yours how about you mind your business you know i I went straight up new york and the guy's like i'm here all day and i'm like i'll be waiting do you here all day you know, and I said, Why don't you kiss? And everybody, all the parents are like, Chill, this and that. Same thing, though, we go drinking. And like, um, Roshitz is like, Dude, that dude's all down for a, He's he's down for a scrap if you challenge him. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, Good, you know, roll you don't, what? You don't roll up on me like that. So, I mean, but he's me and him are chill now, but that was my my very first encounter. And but, and I, I didn't mean to embarrass him because everyone did crack up when I said that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I mess it with you when you when you're taking trash out of the out of the trash can? No. <laughs> this is what I do. That's what you do. Do your thing I'm going to do mine. So mm-hmm. I was like, how about that? I I went straight Brooklyn. <laughs> I said, How about that? So, but man, he's um I under- my understanding is his heart is as big as his head. Um, he coaches with his heart in his sleeve. The kids love him. The um, the club as a collective whole, um, the respect they have from him, him is profound. And mm-hmm. and for me, I don't know. I got a new summer drinking buddy. Anytime he comes <clears throat> back, man, I really I like the guy. Sometimes you got, you know. Sometimes you got a war with someone I like him. <laughs> you know, right? It's probably your best friend you grew up with. You probably had to fight him first. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Nah, Trey, that never happened." I'm <laughs> cool. Nah. <laughs> A
1: little bit. A little bit. <laughs> all
0: right, one more thing before we go during this COVID time, I'm not going to ask you any social justice people. As, have you saw the last 10 episodes? I had enough I had enough people. I mean, dude, first I mean, of all, eight first yeah. of all, 8 of my last 12 guests were African American. And I was looking for more African American to speak on this. And Fallon, Fallon Fanoy Malwana Pretty much, mm-hmm. just she broke her silence and just closed up shop. So what were you gonna say? Sorry.
1: I mean, I was gonna say like my my best friends, African Americans. So mm-hmm. Like, if we were, if like I, I have people say stuff about it all the time, but it's like uh, I, I don't think we can put ourselves in that shoes, especially like being mm-hmm. in the South. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, division on it still. Yep. And uh, I mean, that's that's all I have to do is just say. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm well like 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 how was jay like felt in, in his life because of this and like it changes your thought process a lot
0: but uh, that's that's the right way to go you yeah if you want to know how a black man feels how about you defer to talk having a conversation <laughs> right you yeah. didn't get together with your white friends all right boys this is what we're gonna do about this black problem no <laughs> no 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 dude my mom's african-american okay my real father is the only white guy in my family and I never even met him. I don't even think I saw a white guy till I was eight years old <laughs> where I grew up, <laughs> Flatbush Avenue. Um, but I'm also a white whisperer. Like, or no, I'm sorry, I'm like a, a, a undercover brother. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know I'm half black. So I could sit at the table in a conversation and like people that don't know I'm black, if they're racist, I know right away. It's like, damn, did you see what happened in Portland? And he said, now he's you know, now these black. People get to think they, they get to think they could do whatever they want to do. And I'm just like,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, you don't say no, you know, <laughs> I mean cops wouldn't arrest them unless they did something wrong. Silly me. So so I've been I've been an undercover brother, really seeing Mm -hmm. because they say the old saying is you're your true self when nobody's watching. Yeah, (laughs) and boy, have I got a story, a bunch of stories for you off camera. For now, you have to be starving. Do you just came from coaching, and I'm sitting here eating chicken chicken wings wings in front of you? Hmm? We're all good. I
1: actually had some ribs right in between coaching and this.
0: So during COVID. Um, I'm gonna give you a recommendation, but what's like um, on the rare occasion or the the big, um, the consistent occasion you watch TV? Is there a particular box set or or a series that you broke yourself into um, to to sweat out COVID?
1: Uh, I mean, I busted out some Disney Plus. Uh,
0: I did Shit's Creek. You ever heard of Shit's Creek?
1: I have heard of it. I haven't watched it. Um, I'm not huge on uh like series it's it's been hard for me uh i love the office but uh i had watched that before covid um during COVID, actually i don't know if anybody you know boy meets world yeah i I busted that show show and so i just busted that show out because i just love that show so much and then um i'm big into documentaries so uh Maybe not so much like series, but I, I watch a ton of different documentaries. I love documentaries.
0: Me too. Me too. Well, my favorite uh, series was The Wire, Baltimore Police Department, Drug dealers, drug. So I was just going to give you a recommendation. Um, it's got a little bit of everything. It's five seasons. And from from the pilot on down, it, it just generates and, and magnetizes and galvanizes uh, interest. So uh, Band of Brothers, only because I'm biased, I'm infatuated with World War II. Um, I'm a vet. I'm a Gulf War vet. And mm-hmm. my grandfather, father's side, served in the Navy World War II. My father, Air Force Vietnam. My kid's sister, two tours in Afghanistan, you know, young sister. So I'm a military guy. But Band of Brothers is one. The Wire is the other. And Shit's oh. Creek, um, the, the format is set up like The Office. Mm-hmm. Like comedies that don't have a laugh track that allow yeah. you to intellectually uh, tickle, you know, stimulate your own intellect as opposed to uh, stimulating this knee-jerk, um, emotional thing. Uh, this is when you laugh. Yeah. Uh, so so those are my recommendations to you and those are my recommendations to everybody who's listening at home. All right. Evan, where can they find you, man? You got you got a uh, site or you got somewhere somewhere people could get to know Evan Corey better?
1: You can find me at Coconut Beach Coaching, a ton. Um, What's the site? Prom- What's the website? Uh, Coconut Beach, LA. Uh, if you want to find our club, Um, And you're in the Louisiana slash Gulf Coast area because we do have kids come in from Mississippi, uh, all kinds of different stuff like that. Or if you're just passing through, want some lessons, whatever, uh, go to premierbeachvolleyball.com and that will lead you to our website. And then uh, if you want to find me personally, uh, I'm probably actually about to start doing some clinics, hopefully uh, around the country uh, i've had some talks recently and i'm open to that if anybody is interested and you can just hit me up um on facebook uh evan cory and then on instagram at evan Corey volley
0: no doubt cool man hey that's all i got evan Corey might love you guys but me I had enough of you. In fact, I can't stand you. For all of you at home, for all of you watching this on your iPad, for all of you watching this on your iPhone, for all of you watching this on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For Evan, the Beast, Corey, this is episode 59 of the Option Podcast, and I'm Jason DeBeas, and we both say, we're out.